sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match us. Here's how we practice. The last order conversation. David Jason. Hey, dingalings of the internet. This is Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. This is Patrick Riccardi. And this week we have a special guest. Oh, that's me, Matt Wilkie. Hi. Hey, Matt. Hi, how are you guys? Great. How are you? Doing well. And uh, Matt and I met on Twitter, um, just like I met uh, Will Stegman, uh, upcoming guest. I think just because we followed similar people. Um, yeah, that's how it, that's how it uh, usually works for me. I just... Uh, just making those connections yeah and matt matt's very uh like will very uh popular on social media so i he's got a lot of a lot of friends on facebook a lot of followers so i uh that's how i know he's a better person than i am <laughs> is that the only only gauge you use or do you have anything well i mean you know more we, simple like your evilness or anything like that well thankfully you know we used to only be able to go by uh people's net worth but now we've got social media um to also, let us know how popular people are, and uh, and popular, you know, if they've got famous friends and, and stuff. So sure, I don't I don't know if that's an accurate gauge because I mean Jesus had what twelve followers, and then Hitler had a lot more. So that's, I don't know if that's a good person. So that might be the first time this show is the first time that someone said Hitler's better than Jesus. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying better. Uh, I'm saying more, more popular. popular. So basically, what Matt's saying is, uh, in in a thousand years or so, Pat, people will revere us and uh, they'll loathe him. So it, it'll all work out after we're dead. I hope so. But we brought uh, this this week. Uh, we're talking. We're doing the Muppet movie versus the Muppets, the Jason Segel one. And I brought Matt on because I knew he is a huge uh, Muppet fan. So uh, Matt, do you want to tell us a little about how you came to be a Muppet fan and you're, you know, you're kind of, you've met some Muppets, have you not? I, I have, yeah, I've, I've had that extreme honor. Um, I was, you know, I grew up like most people on Sesame Street and on the Muppet show and on all these things that my parents put into my brain. And I just, I don't want to say I never outgrew it because I don't think it's something you can outgrow. I think it's a very all ages entertainment but uh, it's something that I've always been a fan of. And so about six years ago, I sent out a writing submission to a website called Tough Pigs. And there's not a lot of Muppet community websites like them. Uh, there's a few, but they're very involved in the community. They do reviews and uh, um, they do interviews and and funny things about like oh let's compare what countries say Bert and Ernie versus what countries say Bernie and Ert and why is that different and so uh, since there aren't a lot of those kinds of sites they're uh, um, respected by the Muppet community by the Muppeteers especially they like to reach out to them however they can and talk to them and since I'm one of the writers I've gotten to uh, meet a lot of them, and last year I was invited to visit the set for the newest movie, The uh, Muppets Most Wanted. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And you got to meet a lot of the Muppeteers, and did you get to meet any, uh, like, uh, Tina Fey or Ricky Gervais or anything like that? 
no, they weren't. They weren't on set that day. I I um, was on the red carpet premiere for that, wow. and so I got to see them walk past me. And we tried to get to interview them, but they were too busy. Divas. I know. Well, that that's super awesome, and I know you're uh, yeah. really jealous right now, Pat. Um, super. Because Pat, I think, is uh, uh, one fifth monkey or Muppet. Well, he's also one fifth oh, yeah. monkey, yeah, uh, yeah, but one fifth Muppet <laughs> as well on his mother's side. Um, yeah, well, you you are younger than we are, I think, Matt, and well, Pat's younger than I am. But um, this first Muppet movie um, I saw in theaters first run. I was nine years old, and um, I remember it's probably so to me at the time before this there was sesame street and the muppet show but i remember thinking i vividly remember this um, from seeing it at nine when kermit got on the bike i was like holy shit that motherfucker's riding a bike <laughs> because you would never you'd seen like their their legs flopping over something or whatever or the, when they'd go flying through the air but you'd never seen them actually move and then you see kermit and Fozzie dancing in this one so uh as a kid, it was pretty mind-blowing. Um, to you guys, probably not as impressive because it, you'd seen it before. But uh, but I thought this movie was really... I, I was a little a little scared to watch it again because I hadn't seen it for so long. And I thought, oh, God, what if it doesn't hold up? But um, it definitely holds up. Yeah, I watch it about once oh, a year. And it, it, it's always held up for me. Yeah, I think it, it's it's one of those movies that doesn't rely on the pop culture of the day, even though they had those celebrities of the day, it didn't rely on the jokes and the songs the way like some of those DreamWorks movies do. Right. Yeah. I mean, they had like the Harry Krishna joke was, was a very of its time, but it didn't matter. It wasn't a big part of the movie. Right. Or, the, or there's like, like Fozzie, he asked him where to get his driver's license and Fozzie says, Oh, I took a correspondence course. Yeah. Whatever that means. Yeah. Where today it would be like, Oh, I took an online course and it would be the same joke. Right. But it was, uh, I was very, very happy watching it that it held up so well. And I was going to, this was the first time I had seen The Muppets uh, was in preparation for this show. Oh, really? You hadn't? hadn't, No, yeah. For some reason, I just just hadn't seen it. Um, And I was going to comment that uh, on how meta it was, which, you know, we'll get to that when we talk about that movie. But watching this, (laughs) this is super meta, too. From way oh, yeah. back in the day. Yeah, it's when I'm watching it, made, it made me think. I I have to think that a lot of Simpsons writers cut their teeth watching this and thought we want to do more of this, and it just it just grew from there. It's, it's just very. I mean, just having a script come out during the movie to see what happened in the movie is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> there there are a lot of. I mean, both both movies, of course, but there were a lot of like winks to the camera and breaking the fourth wall. Yeah, it's really great, and I I loved even uh, even the I like the way the corny old vaudeville jokes sit alongside actual funny uh, witty stuff, and mm-hmm. it's just it's a pretty perfect movie. Yeah, you have the absurdity alongside the vaudeville stuff, alongside the the meta humor, and then the kind of the, not corny, but the really sweet songs that that don't really fit in with every, anything else, but they do in this movie. Yeah, I was going to mention the songs because um, uh, much as I love Flight of the Concords and, and Brett, uh, I, I think Paul Williams' songs in this are actually uh, far better than, than the songs in The Muppets. Oh, I'd absolutely agree. Yeah, it, it, they're very timeless. Yeah. I, but I 
do really like the songs in the Muppets. I, I, I like them a lot. I mean, we'll talk about it later, but I, I, seeing that movie, I was really impressed with how he was able to get the characters right in the songs he wrote. Yeah, no, I, I like the songs in that too, but, but, uh, this is, this is a level up, I think. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> well, Rainbow Connection is just, it, it, it's very hard for me to hear that song and not tear up. It's such a beautiful song. Oh, I think only robots don't tear up at that song. Absolutely, yeah. Out, out here in Los Angeles, we have the uh, El Capitan Theater, and it's owned by Disney. And before the showings of their movies, a lot of times they have stage shows. So for the past two new Muppet movies, they'll have a stage show with um, a Kermit and Miss Piggy puppet from Disneyland. And oh, they do a neat. stage. Yeah. That's really cool. And they do a stage show. And for this newest one, they had a kind of like a medley of songs. And they closed with Rainbow Connection. And I honestly teared up because it was just like, it's like seeing this actual puppet sing this song in this place. It was just a beautiful moment. Oh, you're doing, I think you're doing a great job of dispelling uh, your Hitler persona with that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not I, all bad. Uh, I, that's a really Al Capitan Theater is a really neat theater. It's it's cool what they've done with it. I, I guess it was like ten years ago that they bought it and turned it into a Disney thing. But before I don't know what it was before that. I just don't remember ever ha- having a reason to go there because I still live near LA. And when they bought it, they have all kinds of neat like I think they brought back Mary Poppins for a while. It just it's it's neat what they've done with it. Yeah. Well, we did we ever go there, Pat? I don't think so. Where, where do we see uh, Robin Hitchcock? We saw him at Largo, I guess, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Never mind. All right. Well, let's get off the uh, the regional stuff, I guess. <laughs> yeah, start talking about Canada. The um, well, yeah. So I'm interested in your guys. When did you guys uh, like? Do you know what age you were when you first saw this first Muppet movie? I was this the the first Muppet movie was the first movie I was ever excited to go see. I was like five years old. And I had I watched the Muppets show every week, and I love Sesame Street, so I was prime. I was prime audience for this, and somebody, you know, somehow I found out it was coming, and I was super duper excited for it to go see it. And I went to see it, and it was as good as I expected it to be, and had Big Bird in there, and every, everything good about it was there. So that's how old I was. Yeah, I was. Um, I was born after. I was born in '85. So uh, I was, this was one of those ones that I had the VHS tape of and then completely wore it out by watching it over and over again. Um, so I, I was probably around four or five the first time I saw it. Awesome. It's so awesome that you can see something at five years old or nine years old or uh, as an adult and, and still enjoy it. Like it, there's really, there's really no parallel in, in pop culture or movies that I can think of. Pixar movies, I think, are are the same. That they they cross they cross generations pretty well. The good ones, the yeah, Toy I guess, Stories. I suppose uh, that's true. Um, so thanks for shooting me down uh, in a public forum, Pat. It's okay. I always like to bring out the fact that you don't like Pixar movies enough. <laughs> I I guess yeah. I I guess you know what. I have a problem with uh with Disney and and the kind of Disney mindset, and I think I like. I let that leak over into Pixar, and I don't know why, because it's not, it's not really fair. Um, the Muppets was a Disney movie. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> Get ready for Disney's new Star Wars. 
I'm I'm sure. Wait, did so J.J. Abrams was involved with that, but then now he's not directing. Is that right? No, he's still directing it. Oh, he is. He's only directing the first one. The this the second the second one is somebody else, and I think maybe he's coming back for the third one, but I'm not sure about that. But he's he's directing the first one. Hey Matt, do you have somebody uh, walking out of a vault over there? I I do. Yes, I have a very um, heavy marble floors in my apartment, so we've got some roommates. Humble brag. <laughs> so well, anybody's going to be a better director than than George Lucas, I would imagine. Um, at least as far as directing actors go. So, and is George Lucas in? He's not involved in writing these new Star Wars or anything. No, he's he's once he's sold it, he's done. All right, so maybe those they won't uh, completely suck ass. Well, you're younger, Matt, so you actually were born after the first Star Wars trilogy too, as well. So, what did you think of the uh, of the Phantom Menace and all those? I was um, I was twelve, I believe, twelve or thirteen. Uh, when Phantom Menace came out. So that was one of those movies that I saw maybe 10 times in the theater because it was, you know, the first new Star Wars movie that I could see in a movie theater. And that definitely diluted it for me, where my excitement was over the top. And then the more times I saw it, the more I realized, oh, this is a bad movie. Why am I still going back to see this again? Well, you're 12. I remember seeing uh yeah. I remember seeing like Excalibur probably 10 times in the theaters when I was 10. I'm, I imagine that doesn't hold up now. Um I was like 24 for Phantom Menace and I saw it like 6 times and I felt the same way but I still enjoyed it every time. Did you? Yeah, it's terrible. There's lots of terrible stuff to complain about it, but I still liked when I the, when I still get chills with the opening uh crawl so i was still enjoyed going to see it because you know different friends hadn't seen it so i said i'll go with you and there is the bad there's the bad 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 parts but then there's the the stuff that i enjoyed so i didn't mind sitting through the bad parts yeah i disliked it so much that i like i saw the first two and then i didn't even bother ever seeing the third which is too bad because of the prequels the third one is the best one yeah absolutely but um sorry to get off off topic let's uh let's go back to the muppet movie so Lots of uh, lots of great cameos in this movie, um, and and even even people like Dom DeLuise, who is can be uh, annoying for anything more than two minutes, does a uh, does a great job in this, and uh, and it's a nice mix of the uh, the old old school vaudeville type comics and the the newer comics i thought steve martin's whole scene was hilarious oh that was awesome and it was probably it was go ahead sorry yeah oh no no that's fine it's just gonna it's probably my favorite scene in the movie yeah (laughs) yeah i think my favorite scene of any muppet movie and i mean kind of a shame that uh milton burl in his scene was you know trying to show kermit his dick the whole time but (laughs) what's that's just milton burl it just kept kept popping out (laughs) yeah he couldn't help it and it was it was pretty awesome. Edgar Ed, Edgar Bergen had a had a cameo. Oh yeah, at the at the beauty pageant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is uh this is his last film or TV appearance because he died very shortly after he filmed it, and then they dedicated the movie to him. Yeah, I saw that at the end. That was nice. And yeah. and uh, 
Was it? Do you, does anybody know if it was Orson Welles' last screen appearance? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Didn't do in the uh, Ernest and Julio Gallo wine commercials. I remember, but I don't know when that ended. Well, he died a couple years after this, didn't? I, I'm, I don't just, I'm just making it up, but I would say he died in '82. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, on, on the set of Sanford and Son. Of course. Uh, who, who else was in this? Yeah, so they had. I like Richard the, uh, Pryor. Richard Pryor, yeah, just for, just for like thirty seconds, and um, I actually liked. I thought Bob Hope was perfect meeting Fozzie Bear because it kind of showed that they were both doing the same kind of old corny humor. Because uh, Bob Hope said some, you know, one of his lines, and and Fozzie Bear reacted. Like he he loved it because it was he was doing the same type of humor. I thought that was really cool. And of course, uh, Mel Brooks, which was is probably my least favorite cameo in that movie. The Mel Brooks, the whole Mel Brooks scene, I didn't like. It was a bit over the top. Yeah. A little bit, yeah, I agree. Yeah, the the ribbit ribbit, yeah. Um, but but um, great songs, like I said, and um, and some of them up like. There's a Muppet that was in the in the Muppets as well um, that I didn't recognize, but then I saw that he was in the end sequence of this movie, the gigantic blue Muppet. Do you guys know who that is? Uh, the big blue one? His name is Thog. Thog. And <laughs> I knew you would know. Did, and <laughs> did, uh, did he play a part like on the Muppet show or anything? I, did, I totally didn't recognize him. He has... Um... I mean, he's a background guy. He's in he's in the theme song at the beginning, um, and he'll have a duet here or there. Um, in the in one of the first pilots before the show, he was featured more prominently. He did a song and dance with Mia Farrow. Ah, oh, that's that's timely. Let's uh, let's get into the whole uh, Woody Allen Mia Farrow thing. Oh, more importantly, let's talk about what you think Thog thinks about who who is he backing. Well, Thog's Thog's obviously back in Mia. I mm. think I think after that duet, um, he just looked into her eyes and and his heart grew three sizes that day. Uh, is anybody back in Woody Allen? Let's not talk about uh, pedophiles during a Muppet <laughs> themed show. Um, otherwise, we got to go into Elmo. Yeah. Did, have you met the uh, Elmo dude, Matt? I have not. No. Oh, so so you're you're not you're still a, a butt I'm virgin. St- That's good. I'm I'm still pure as snow. Wait, uh, he he wasn't accused of being a pedophile. No, he. Okay. Yeah, it, yeah. I, I don't know. I I I thought he wasn't. I thought he was just kind of like using his position of power to pick up young people. I I just didn't think they were like pedophile age. Yeah, they were sixteen. Right. Uh, it's a it's, yeah. It's an ugliness that we we should probably get off of. Um, but yeah, so uh, is Matt, is this your favorite of the Muppet films? It is not. Um, it's a very close second, but my first would probably be the great Muppet caper. All right. So we're going to have to have you back to do the great Muppet Muppet caper, I guess. I think Um, we could just do an episode about the paper towel joke, which might be my favorite joke of any movie ever. It's, it's a brilliant joke. Damn it. I, probably haven't seen that since it came out either so i have no no recollection but really great muppet caper was that the second muppet movie that was the second one yes okay so that and, had to be... and it's interesting that that this one 
parallels the Muppet movie parallels the Muppets so well. And then the second one that both of those versions of the franchise did, The Great Muppet Caper and Muppets Most Wanted, do parallel each other very well also. Yeah, I, don't, I have not seen the uh, the newest one either. Um, so yeah, that might be fun to do to do one on that too. I'd like to see The Great Muppet Caper again. I don't remember a thing about it. Um, but I do want to bring up the uh, the band, what, The Electric Mayhem? Who yes. always kind of creeped me out because they reminded me of like the Doobie Brothers or um, one of those old uh, really terrible bands, and they all seem to be high on something. Um, <laughs> why would that? Why would that terrify you? I, it more terrified me like the the whiskers on the uh, okay the dude and uh, and the gold tooth dude. Um, my <laughs> my girlfriend said last night when we were watching uh, this movie, the Muppet movie. Um, she said. This is the best thing the hippies ever did, isn't it? The Muppets. <laughs> I was like, yeah, it really is. Because um, I, I think there's no doubt Jim Henson was a hippie. Absolutely, yeah. And, and Sesame Street's definitely very, very hippie-ish. Um, and much as I talk shit about hippies, this is... The Muppets are... Uh, <laughs> I think that's the best thing to come out of the, the whole movement. I mean... They'll they'll take credit for civil rights, but that wasn't the hippies doing. Um, they stopped the war. Yeah, let's let's not get into it. The uh, but that that was the one thing of the because even as a kid in the seventies, I remember uh, just walking around and thinking, why is everything so ugly? And uh, and the the band has definitely got that look, that um, that kind of burnt out hippie stoner look that uh that did not appeal to me at the time as a kid aesthetically and uh and still does not and like zoot who he looks really cool or he did like when i was a kid i thought oh that guy looks cool but then he's like basically uh lobotomized right like he forgets his own name and everything in this movie sure i think i think he's the most hippie-ish he's probably got some some residuals going on there where it's just smoking too much yeah he's living in a flashback yeah he's constantly tripping yeah yeah Yeah. although uh what what's the what's the woman's name the woman janice janice yeah um i used to as a kid i used to say for surely all the time i thought it was the funniest thing ever um now she kind of scares me as well jeez is is it the lack of eyes i think it might be because um who else lacks eyes bunsen honeydew lacks eyes but he doesn't really freak me out um, but he's also kind of a, you know, a Poindexter-ish type, so he's not threatening. I guess Janice just seems like uh, she might fuck you up if you met her. I don't doubt it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you I met... never got that feeling. Yeah. Uh, well, maybe, uh, maybe I'm a little overly sensitive, having, <laughs> having grown up in the 70s. Um, so I guess, I guess favorite song would be uh, uh, Rainbow Connection, yeah? For me, um, I would probably go with the the, the closing song. That's I, but that's more for the visuals and the and the tying it all together and just having those sweet moments. The they it's called the magic store. Yeah, that they play at the end, all the Muppets there gathered and the rainbow coming through. Yeah, yeah, but but that in itself does have a reprise of the Rainbow Connection. Sure. So I guess it's 
kind of a cheat. It's like having two songs for a favorite song. Yeah. What about you, Pat? You got Rainbow Connection or Moving Right Along. I really like Moving Right Along. Anytime I've taken a road trip my entire life, I've had that somewhere on the either mixtapes or CDs or iPods that are playing during the road trip. It's just a it's a fun song. But probably Rainbow Connection is a song I like more. Yeah, I I remember at age nine I joined the uh, Columbia Record and Tape Club. Um, like many nine-year-olds do, and then just never pay, and then your mom writes them a letter saying, leave my kid alone. Um, but so I got, I remember I got this tape, the Muppet Movie soundtrack, and uh, Queen, Live Killers, and The Cars, Candio, um, and and wore, wore out all those tapes on my terrible little uh, one-speaker playback, tape playback device I had in the 70s. One of those Radio Shack ones with a handle? If, yeah, 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 exactly, with a handle. Um, it's probably sub Radio Shack, uh, knowing my parents, but I was reading an article about some guy who used to write for TV and during the seventies, he really wanted to write for, uh, I, I think Ken Levine, the guy wrote, wrote, for, wrote for cheers. He really wanted to write for Mary Tyler Moore and he, he and his writing partner used to sit together in their apartment and use one of those Radio Shack tape decks and tape the show and then listen to it over and over until they really got the, like the, the, the style so they could write, write a spec script. It's, it's just funny to see a picture of one of those tape decks again. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a really sad time for technology. Um, I think I use mine mostly with uh, a friend of mine. We used to, like, make up our own commercials, like parody commercials. Um, it was fun for that. I remember at, a, at one, I had a birthday party at my house once, and I, like, we were playing ping pong or something. I stuck it under the table and left the room to see if anybody would talk about me. So. Uh, <laughs> Did they? Uh, no, of course not. Oh, that's I've, too bad. And yet my paranoia has not abated uh, into my 40s. <laughs> uh, Do you ever see people from back in those days, like nowadays, and do they ask you, do you still make those parody commercials? I think only me and my friend knew about the parody commercials. Oh, okay. We didn't really share it with anybody. Um, no, I Our big thing in, in my neighborhood was we would do like full-length full radio shows. Like we would have... Um, like guest interviews with redress other people in the neighbor, like other kids in the neighborhood <laughs> and like we'd record songs off of the radio onto one of those just, just for the song. And then, and then we like the parody commercials and all that stuff too. Did you ever listen to the whole show after you were done recording it? Probably not. No. <laughs> I, I don't remember ever doing that. It was just, you do it, and then 10 years later, you find a box of cassettes, and you don't even have a cassette player anymore, so you can't <laughs> listen to it. That's have you guys ever awesome. seen the YouTube video where the guy, when he was like eight years old or nine years nine years old, made a video, like a VHS tape of him talking to himself in the future, and he spliced the two together so he talks to himself in the past? I do remember that, yeah. It's really funny, really clever. I'm really lucky that you did that. Yeah. No, I haven't seen Yeah, I mean... Kids are, uh, I don't, that was, that was fun for me. Like I, if I could do something in my room rather than go outside, um, I was all about that writing dumb stories. Uh, but that sounds like fun, Matt, like going making your own radio shows. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. I know Pat and I both were really into, uh, like even as a kid, um, God damn, I was a nerd. But I, I, w- I would go buy like the cassettes of like the old 40s radio shows and stuff and uh, listen to those constantly and then try to write my own. Uh, That's funny. Yeah, so we've gotten really off topic. 
Uh, Not really, since Ed Berger, Ed Berger, Ed, I can't Jesus say his Christ. name. Charlie McCarthy had a radio show, and Charlie <laughs> McCarthy was in this movie. True, it all ties. Which is man. hilarious that that for years they were radio superstars of a ventriloquist. <laughs> yeah, well, I, Will Stegman actually is gonna. He talks about that as well. Yeah, um, what a time to be alive. <laughs> I mean, that's the ultimate scam. Although I guess they did have a live studio audience, so he couldn't fake it too much. But, but I did... not only that, but he did such a good job creating a character with his voice that it didn't matter if you could see his lips moving or anything. Right, which I did notice uh, in this that his lips were pretty... They were moving pretty good when he was doing the Charlie McCarthy. It was hours before his death. What do you want? <laughs> that's true. He was probably having a stroke at the at the moment of filming. Um, yeah, I... It, it's a hard movie to talk about just because it's uh, it's so perfect and iconic, and I feel like um, everybody in the world's already seen it at least once. Um, Hope so. I was reading some interviews with the director, and I read something on Wikipedia about the director, and they didn't really line up. On Wikipedia, the guy who plays Max, I think his name is Austin Pendleton or something like that, said the the uh, set was a, hard, a difficult one because James Farley, the director, was, was not happy to be there, and it, it made things stressful for everyone working. So after that, all Muppet, most Muppet movies had someone from like Frank Oz or Jim Henson directing it, and it made a lot more sense because they knew what was going on and they were happy with each other. But the, the interviews with Frawley made it sound like he really is happy that he directed the movie and enjoyed the process. But, but perhaps over, the, over time, the fact that it became such a huge hit and such a part of our culture is why he says that now, but at the time, maybe he wasn't happy working with Muppets. Who knows? I can also see it being a case where the Wikipedia is more referencing the puppeteer's point of view, mm-hmm. where they weren't as happy as they could have been on set because he didn't have the experience of working on the show or working around puppetry all the time. And so it's probably harder for him to do that. Yeah, he probably didn't know how to deal with all the... All the uh love and peace going around on a, on a movie set. and the... Well, he was picked specifically by Jim Henson because Jim Henson liked his work on the monkeys. So he was he was okay with love and peace. Monkeys were love and peace, too. Oh, that's true. And they also uh, were puppets, in a way. Two of them. I, I was looking at um, Austin Pendleton, who played Max, and uh, I swear to God, I thought he was the dad on ALF uh, until Austin I Pendleton's looked him up. never been arrested. Never been, yeah. <laughs> become a crack addict now um yeah he was r- really good the the uh i thought all well of course how can we have gone this long without talking about charles durning, charles durning. He, was a, he was an awesome bad guy r.i.p a great bad guy yeah one one of the only bad guys for the muppets who just does not change doesn't have any kind of change of heart just wants to kill the frog by the end of it <laughs> yeah and you, you go through that whole speech where the the theater's moved and they're like sure he's gonna change his mind he's like kill him yeah that was a great <laughs> scene and i it was it was really perverse uh the whole idea of having this the bad guy uh ha- owns a frog leg franchise which which is absurd in itself like i think that's a problem i had my entire childhood because i watched this movie and thought frog legs were something everyone ate and i just i would find it someday and i never did so i just i just thought there was somewhere i should go to eat frog legs or watch people eat frog legs and why can't i find frog legs being sold at fast food why, why doesn't it exist only in this movie i think you missed the entire point of the movie you're not <laughs> supposed to want frog legs say, after Matt. seeing it 
Jeez. I often miss points. <laughs> did Bambi make, make you want to become a hunter? I did. The, the, uh, yeah, no. So that was absurd. And then, and then even more absurd, the idea that he would think a frog would want to be a spokesperson for frog's legs. Um, but I did like the, uh, Kermit talking about all the frogs on the crutches. That's another thing I was, that's why I was convinced it was okay to eat them because they're still alive. They just have, they just go to the vet and get, get a pair of crutches or a, a wheelchair or a I, I don't know if I've told this story before, but I was, first time I lived out on my own, I was like 20 something and there was a mouse in the house and I told the landlord about it and she said, just get a mouse trap, you can take care of it. So I got mouse traps and put them all around the house and put peanut butter on them and I was like, I'm going to get this mouse, this is going to be great. And a couple of days went by and I checked them and never never got one and like a week went by and finally the mouse was caught and I I picked up the mouse uh, mouse trap and I cried because it died and I was sure it was just going to have it by its tail and I could let it out in the field. So I'm not very intelligent. No, I would I would say you're not. You know, you also make a terrible uh, general in Vietnam. Um. Yeah, the, I don't know. Do you? Got, I'm kind of at a loss of of uh, what to say about this movie except that everybody should see it and uh, own it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was just a new Blu-ray that came out and, and it's beautiful and it has, um, these, te- this test footage that they shot. I don't know. Have you guys seen this? No. Yeah. It's, that's on the, the stuff that was in that for all he did his, uh, test screens or is this something else? Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Cause that was um, on the DVD too, but go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So, so from doing the show for, I think it was like in the third season, of the Muppet show when they made the movie, it's second or third season. And they had never filmed outside before because they'd always had these sets built for them. So they were like, well, if we're going to a road movie, we're going to want outside. So they, they went to this, this field and there were the cows in the field and they're just having the puppets play off of the cows. And it's just hilarious. <laughs> I got to check it out. Are they doing any, uh, anniversary screenings in your guys' cities? I know they're doing like the 35th anniversary screening here and they're having the, uh, the voice of Gonzo. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's great. No, I haven't seen anything about that. That's really cool. That's I should I should bring up. I try when I'm in conversations like this not to get super nerdy about puppetry. No, please do. But, yeah. <laughs> all right, great. So, um, one thing that bothers puppeteers a lot is if you say, "Oh, that's the voice of Gonzo," because if he's just the voice, well, who's doing the rest of him? How's he moving? And so, one thing is they prefer the term performers. Oh, that, well, you know what? That is fair play to them because they deserve it. Yes. I, sh- I shouldn't just say the voice. But I guess later that becomes difficult for, for films where Frank Oz is doing the voice and someone else is doing the actual performing. So I, what do they say then? Well, well, they still say perform because I mean, Frank Oz is retired from that now. He doesn't do any of the voices at all but anymore. Th- I think for Muppets in Space, I think he did the voice, but he didn't do the... <sighs> That's true. Yeah, yeah, because he was kind of transitioning out at that point. Yeah. Um, so he re-recorded later. Yeah, I guess I guess technically you could say voice in those cases then. But performers, fine. Yeah, why? Jesus, Pat, I don't know why you have to. Be no, I just feel bad for the guy who's doing the doing has to do the puppeteering. He doesn't get any credit if you're calling Frank Oz <laughs> the performer. So it's kind of a it's a team effort in that specific case. That's sure. Cool. Yeah, that's true. I mean, puppeteering is an art. Um, I know I I tried uh, tried my hand at puppeteering also as a kid, and uh, 
and I I didn't have the coordination for it. I could make them like hit themselves in the head, but that was all just by accident, um, and that was about as far as I could get. So, yeah, let's give the puppeteers their props. So Matt, you make your puppets? I do. Yeah, I build I build all of my own um, that I use, and I've been doing that about about four or five years now. And they're really good looking too. I have to say, I want. Oh, thank you. I'd Thanks. like to buy one from Matt uh, at some point. Um, but yeah, yeah. This uh, so performers. We'll get the and Gonzo. Since I brought him up, does any has it ever been like definitively declared what Gonzo is? Well, there was. I mean, there was Muppets from Space, where they're the whole plot line is around him trying to contact his family and and their aliens. Um, but after uh, it was almost immediately after that movie came out, they were just kind of like, "Well, that was a movie, so let's just pretend that he's still unknown." They just retconned yeah. it, yeah. Just like yeah. Uh, Kermit and Miss Piggy didn't really get married; that was just in the movie. Yeah, exactly. Well, I found Gonzo's. Uh, you know, Gonzo's girlfriend is a chicken. Um, so there's some interspecies thing going on there. But I also noticed in this movie, Gonzo was kind of hitting on everything on two legs with his girlfriend chicken right there. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was even an episode of The Muppet Show where Big Bird is a guest star and Gonzo hits on him. <laughs> <laughs> so what we're saying is um, Gonzo is the hero of this movie. Exactly. And well, much like all hippies, it's pansexual. Um, you guys want to uh, take a break before we go into the Muppets? Are we done with uh, the Muppet movie? Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you guys want to do a break, that's fine. Yeah, I can't. That's fine. All right. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, we'll be right back. We had a comrade, a brave comrade, he could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero, tried talking about Shanmiro to computers wearing earphones. He almost died for conversation, hallucinations, good vibrations. Van Dyke Park's greyhound racing, steeplechasing. All right, we're back, and now we're talking about the Muppets, uh, which, as I said, I just saw for the first time. But, um, but I, w- I feel like I've been yapping enough. Let's hear uh, your guys' take on this, um, and I'll I'll tell you what I thought of it. I I loved it. I thought it, it captured the spirit of the early Muppet movies, but by re- still remaining its own its own thing of of 2013 or whenever it came, 2011. So it, I I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it definitely captures the of its day, the moment. It felt like um, current movies in that sense, and so I think that was a great thing. But also, as a Muppet movie, a bit of a minus because it didn't feel as much as the rest of their movies, where it felt it was trying to be more modern, more hip. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think one part of that that 
they did make a mistake on that we talked about the Muppet movie where the cameos were so great. The cameos were interesting in the Muppets, but they all played themselves, so they weren't as interesting as in the Muppet movie where it's Bob Hope playing a, a I forget what he played, but it's Richard Pryor playing a guy selling uh, balloons and Bob Hope playing a guy selling ice cream. It's just, they're playing characters, and in the Muppets, they're playing themselves. Aside from Rashida Jones, it was, it was mostly characters playing themselves, which I think takes a little bit away from the cameo. Yeah, it feels more like, and and I think that had a lot to do with the plot, mm-hmm. because it's you know trying to to get the Muppets back together and to have that telethon in the TV show. So they needed, you know, the whole point is oh we need a celebrity, so they just bring in a bunch of celebrities. Yeah, right. Well, but it was also a reference to the Muppet Show, so it kind of worked in that way. But I agree with you that it did it was a bit of a, sub- a subtraction. So the plot we should bring up. Um, you guys are right. It, it dovetails really nicely with the original Muppet movie um, because it's, it's, as we said, very meta. Um, it's about the Muppets. Uh, they're going to, there's a, the bad guy in this one is uh, Chris Cooper. And uh, so it also answers the question uh, burning in many people's minds. Uh, does Chris Cooper have flow when he raps? And the answer is no. Uh, in case you want to skip. Not, not much. Not, well, maybe after he, maybe after he got his hit, his head hit with a bowling ball, he does because that, that's all it takes to, for him to learn how to laugh. True. So maybe he learns how to how to rap too. Um, yeah, Chris Cooper, the bad guy, is gonna uh, buy their studio and uh, and tear it down and to drill for oil. Um, so the Muppets have to get back together, put on a, a telethon. So it's all about it. It mirrors the original Muppet movie in that way um, of Kermit going and, and finding all all the old Muppets and, and bringing them together. And he gets Fozzie first in a sleazy bar. So again, yeah, yeah, same as in the the. Well, obviously, Jason Segel is a huge fan of the Muppets and and uh, studied the Muppet movie very intensely uh, when making this. And um, yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I feel like he was he came up with this idea or maybe he didn't but I feel like it, they were when they were, they were working on uh, forgetting Sarah, Sarah Marshall either that's when they came up with the idea or that's when they started leaking that they wanted to do it. Yeah, I think that's where they where they he kind of put his his feelers out there just to be like, "Oh, we're you guys like they had the puppeteers mm-hmm. on set and they said, "Oh, you guys work for the Muppets. How come there hasn't been a Muppet movie in a while? What can we do to let me throw some weight around since I'm Jason Siegel. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and which, the- which I feel like was a good thing and a bad thing, because if you look at this movie, there's, it's kind of like three storylines where it's, you know, Kermit, Kermit and the Muppets, but mostly Kermit and Miss Piggy and whether mm-hmm. or not they're going to get back together. And then there's the plot line of Walter, um, who we can talk about a lot more because I have a lot to say about him. We will. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then there's the plot line of Jason Siegel and Amy Adams characters who shouldn't have as big a role as they do, in my opinion. Right. Nope, that was my main problem with this. And this yeah. is a, this is a good movie. Don't get me wrong, I I liked it. Um, but but in the in the first Muppet movie, all the human characters were basically cameos, and um, even Charles Durning was you know I mean he was the the villain, so he was the foil. But it the movie was centered on the Muppets. Um, in this one, I could have done completely without the Jason Siegel, Amy Adams storyline. Like it was fine that to have them along 
for the adventure. But uh, I think the movie doesn't get made without them, though. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's that's the catch twenty two. Yeah, I, I suppose that's true, but I I think. Um, it and does... as far as things go, I'm glad it was Jason Segel and Amy Adams because they're they're such wonderful performers compared to somebody terrible that they that could be in there. So I like those guys. So if if it's going to be someone that's uh, taking up space in the Muppet movie, I'm glad it's those two and not, I don't know, somebody I dislike. No, I, I agree with that. I just wish there was more space taken up by Muppets. Yeah. But, um, yeah, well, yeah, so let's let's talk about uh, the the new character. I assume he was new for this movie, right? He was, yes. Walter. Um, and basic, basic plot, Walter uh, is Jason Siegel's brother. Uh, Walter's a Muppet. And uh, he grew up loving the Muppets. And uh, so they, they go to Hollywood. They take a trip to Hollywood for Siegel and Adam's, um, what, anniversary? Or is that what it was? Yeah. 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 And yeah. they bring Walter along and so he can he can check out Muppet Studios. And he finds out about the evil plot and, and is the catalyst, catalyst for getting the Muppets back together. Um, so that's, that's Walter. So uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on Walter, Matt. I'm a big fan, and the reason I'm a fan of Walter is because I'm a fan of the Muppets, and I see, like a lot of Muppet fans, see a lot of myself in him. And that would have been perfect on its own, and then Jason Segel wrote that, and it's it's almost like it's a stand-in for himself, but then he also put himself himself into the movie, and that's where... <laughs> A lot of it comes into play. But as a character, I think Walter's great. I think it's great to have, um, specifically for this movie, you need someone rallying behind the Muppets when they haven't been together in a while and they need that little bit of push to get back together. Um, Going forward, um, it's kind of this thing, well, okay, how can you have a character in a group that's a fan of the group and what is his purpose from there on out. And I think the Muppets are figuring out how he fits that puzzle now. Yeah. So uh, I, like I said, I haven't seen the, the uh, second new Muppet movie as Walter in that one as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I, I only think, think, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, sorry. I, I think uh, Walter's a great character and he is obviously a stand in for Siegel. Who's a huge fan of the Muppets, but also a stand in for the audience. Uh, the huge Muppet fans in the audience who also grew up with the, the TV shows and stuff. I thought it was really, uh, really smartly done the way, the way they uh, developed his character. The only thing I don't like about the Walter character is that he's so human. I like, I, I mean, there are, there are other Muppets that are human, but they're more ridiculous. Like Statler and Waldorf. He's just so regular. So I just don't like his design as much as, as the originals. But other than that, I do, I do like him. You're talking about just the look of, the yes. Himself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The character is is you're okay with though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. W- one thing uh, when we're talking about the uh, the modernness of it, um, one thing that was kind of a little ugh to me um, was was the use of uh, of non original songs in the soundtrack. Oh yeah. Oh god. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, obviously now, we built this city the city is terrible um that's terrible but during the telethon i didn't mind it because the muppet show would use original i think i, I think they would they would use yeah no a, they would do covers oh, yeah, of current songs sure but, and and so doing the telethon of, that was fine but the we built the city was uh, that was that shouldn't have been in that movie 
It's a 100% missed opportunity to have a brand new Electric Mayhem song. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking as I watched the Muppet movies. Why didn't they do this? You know, during the Muppet movie, they had that scene where they they, uh, paint over the car. And that's a perfect kind of scene they could have had it in the yeah that was that was terrible yeah and and uh brett's songs from fly the concords who, who the guy who did the music um his songs are good um oh yeah they're fun yeah they're great and they're very they're also very uh i mean he didn't like water himself down they're very flight of the concords ish songs especially um am i a man or a muppet yeah that was that that whole scene was was fun oh it's fantastic but yeah he didn't i think he didn't write one of them, but the rest he wrote. Yeah, so the music was good. Uh, there was the scene where, during uh, Am I a Man or a Muppet, um, where Walter sees his human form, and it's Jim Parsons. Um, and so, and then I was like, oh, is Jim Parsons actually doing the voice of Walter? But he's not. I, I looked up the, the guy, who you may have met, Matt, um, and I didn't recognize him. But Yes, yes. Um, yeah, he's actually a friend of mine, Peter Linz. He's a great performer. Yeah, very, very good performer. I gotta not say voice. Um, Good, you're learning. Good. Yeah, heck, no, he he was excellent. Um, and he mostly does perform, and he's a performer for Muppets for the most part, right? Yes, yeah, uh, uh, Muppets. He's on Sesame Street as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it was really good. Um, I I want to talk about some of the things I I really liked. Um, the '80s robot I thought was great. Oh, the '80s robot was awesome. Which I yeah. was the robot not a not a puppet? Was that like just an actual mechanical thing? Um, I believe it was, I mean, it was a puppet, but it was built of more like hard material, Right. Okay. Uh, but it was still okay. puppeteered. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's cool. Yeah. And great. Uh, I, I was cracking up, uh, when they had the, the eighties robot driving the car. Yeah. Um, which also mirrors Fozzie in a way driving the car in, in the Muppet movie. Um, yeah, I really like that. Uh, the sets. It, it was. It's a very beautiful looking movie. Um, I really liked a lot of the sets, and I especially like seeing the old Muppet Show stage. Um, acting was good throughout. I thought songs were good. Um, the one, the one thing we talked about the Rainbow Connection, which they sing in this movie, and I felt it was a bit of a cheat and like a, a nostalgia tug to to put that in there at the end, so it didn't like. I didn't feel it as much as was probably intended uh, by the film. No, makers. but you know what I I felt that was was uh, was earned a lot more is when they did Mana Mana at the end. That was incredibly that was touching. Great. When I saw the movie in the theater, it was just I had I had goose goosebumps. It was so that was awesome. Just the way they set that up with the proposal of marriage and blah blah blah, and then just start singing that. That was really fun. Yeah, I love the whole ending. Uh, credit scene which which also again mirrored the muppet movie where they had stuff going throughout the credits um Mm -hmm. because go home yeah the ending of this one uh was kind of it kind of ended on a down note and then it wasn't until the credits that uh that it turned around which i thought was really cool a hilarious down note too where we thought they were a dollar away and they were actually not a dollar away right (laughs) yeah i mean overall i i'd say the the film's a success um Though not, not in the classic realm that I think the Muppet movie is. Sure, yeah, I feel like like they got they got close, and then seeing the newer one, the Muppets Most Wanted, it was like, oh, this is that is a Muppets movie, and that is 
how how we can do it. So that's what. And it's interesting to me that it's not as popular, didn't do as well in the box office, and not as many people had seen it. And I'm still confused as to why, because it feels like I'm I'm a lot of times. I'm, I'm like, well, was it because it was too close to the last one that people had already seen a Muppet movie? So two years later, they weren't ready for another one or what the mentality was. I think that's got to be part of it. I mean, there's there's going to be a lot more excitement for the first new Muppet movie in, in years um, as opposed to one that comes out two years later. I just I mean, I think that's just marketplace dictates. But um, it was really fun, though. So I, w- I was disappointed it didn't didn't hit hit a home run like this one did because i was really hoping that there could be a third one and maybe there still can who knows but i I was hoping it would be less of a question after it came out did it do that poorly not poorly just not as good as they expected it didn't hit the the marks they were expecting yeah and and at, at this point in time from the last one they had already announced that there was going to be a second one so it feels like since there hasn't been any kind of announcement for a third one by this time it's like up in the air at this oh. point. Oh, that's a bummer. And hopefully, it's just it's not it's it's going to just take longer for it to happen. Like they're going to see how well it does on video and all that. But I think it was this was still in the theater. The Muppets was still in the theater when they announced the next one was was going to be coming out. Oh wow! I think so. I might be wrong, but I, I remember it that way. I think I think you're correct. Yeah. And I I have not seen the new one yet either. Um, I don't know why because uh, I love. Well, I love the Muppets, but I also love Tina Fey, as you know. And Ty Burrell and Ricky Gervais, so it's there's really no reason that you have not seen it. I mean, love's a strong word for Ty Burrell and Ricky Gervais, but uh, yeah, no, they're all they're all very likable for sure. I think you love them. Um. Yeah. Well, that's that's kind of a bummer, but uh, but the Muppets, I thought, I think it did for what it was. It did as well as it could have um, if you take out We Built This City. Sure. I did think there, like you said, Pat, you know, the, the Muppets on the Muppet Show would do, um, they would do covers of modern songs. And I thought the uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit was great. And we it has to make us happier that it upset Courtney, Courtney Love. Sure, anything that upsets Courtney Love makes us all happier. Um, I also like Jack Black's reaction to it, that they were ruining one of the greatest <laughs> songs ever. Matt, what did you think of Frank Oz's reaction to The Muppets? Did you think it was fair? I think it was unfair, um, but I, I can understand where he was coming from because there was, I don't know how much of the history you know, but he was already contacted by Disney to do a movie with them. And when Jason Siegel came in, they just kind of pushed him to the side and said, no, we're going to go with the new generation. And oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah. So, yeah, he had, he had already been in talks to develop something with them. And so I understand why he was upset. Um, but a lot of the actual complaints that he had about it, I don't think are correct. Um, he said that they were a little too lovey-dovey towards each other or... <laughs> Um, he said that they weren't edgy enough. I read that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I don't agree with that specifically, but I get where he was coming from because that is kind of a big deal to be like, Oh, we're not go away, Frank. 
Yeah, I, I can't see why they wouldn't say, here, these these young guys who love the Muppets are going to work on it, and I can't imagine they would have said no to working with Frank Oz. So that kind of stinks. Was Frank Oz, uh, did he still do the voice of Yoda in the new uh, Star Wars, getting back to Star Wars? Yeah, in the prequels. Yeah. And I will not call him a performer in that, because it was all CGI Yoda. Uh, which was well, the terrible. first one I thought was, was the Yoda puppet. I thought the second two were CGI. I might be wrong about that, too. Yeah, ep- episode one was a puppet. And then and then I think they might have gone back and CGI'd some of it, or all of it. Oh, as Lucas likes to do. Of course, yeah. Yeah, and Frank Oz didn't do the voice of uh, Jar Jar Binks, did he? Well, he didn't do Jar Jar Binks, but he did do Ahmad Best when he was doing interviews. He did what? He did (laughs) Ahmad Best, who was Jar Jar Binks' voice when he was like on Letterman and stuff. Frank Oz would do his voice. Oh, like mocking him? (laughs) Yes, exactly. All right. Um, Yeah, I I think that that this was a, a good kickoff for a new Muppets franchise and I'm kind of a little bummed to hear that maybe the second one is um, making them rethink it but there's everything I've read they're still talking about so I don't think it's like we're never going to do it because it still made a lot of money but just not enough well I, yeah that's that's the whole problem with Hollywood now I guess um, it can't have lost money for them though it just wasn't the the CEOs didn't get that extra million dollar bonus because of it or something. I mean, is it is it that or? I don't know. But you know what I liked about the Muppets? Just thinking about, just change the topic. Sorry, but I liked that they they kept the practical practical effects. They didn't try to do CGI stuff when they could have. Oh, I, I was going to bring that up too, and I forgot. Yeah, I agree. Puppetry is so much better than CGI. Absolutely, yeah, and the, and they did. They did what they could. Like all of the arm rods are now blue, so that they can take them out in post production, and that's like a little thing. But they don't like if if you see a Muppet's legs, that's a Muppet's legs. It's not CGI. Right. That's cool. Yeah. And the arm rods don't even bother me. I guess just because I'm used to them. But I mean, there's there's a kind of a charm in seeing the arm rods to me in the older movies. I agree absolutely. But I know that that Disney specific is trying to they're trying to limit how much people realize that it's a puppet and that it's not just an actual frog on screen so that's why you don't see interviews with the performers you just see interviews with Kermit right right which is fine because those interviews with Kermit are usually pretty funny oh they're great yeah well um I'd say see both of these movies, but definitely see the Muppet movie first. Have you met Steve Whitmire? I have, yes. Yeah, he's great. Is he? That's neat. I've, I don't think I've ever seen him, like you say, they don't usually have interviews with the performers, so I don't think I've ever seen him talk. I don't know what he looks like. Um, I mean, you can, you can find some pictures online pretty easy. Yeah, that's yeah. work. Yeah. <laughs> or go on my Facebook page and see my pictures with him. Um... But yeah, I met him, and um, I met him in character as Kermit as well. And oh, that's that was, awesome. It was amazing, because it's one of those things where you're in that moment, and you can see the performer and the puppet at the same time, but when you're talking to Kermit, you're just talking to Kermit. There's no <laughs> performer there. Um, it was during when I was on my set visit, they let 
everybody uh, who was there for press take a picture with Kermit. And technically, I was a guest, but they still let me take a picture, which is really nice of them. And so when I went up, I went. Um, we took a picture together, and then I turned to Kermit and I said, "Oh, is it is it okay if I give you a hug?" And he goes, <laughs> "Of course, it's just of course." And you know, I'm standing there, and as a puppeteer, I know that I'm just hugging some guy's arm right now. <laughs> I'm not a stupid person. I recognize that. But when you do it, I hugged Kermit the Frog. That's just yeah. how it was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's got to like that's got to hold you over for like at least six months, no matter what you're going through. Absolutely. <laughs> that's so awesome. Well, you when you watch the 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 clips off of Sesame Street where they have famous people, and I. I always find it, or not even just famous people, when they're talking to kids, the little kids, it's just, it's so awesome how the, the conversation is between the kid and whoever the, the puppet is. And it, you never think about anything. When you're watching it, it feels like the, the, the Muppet is a real person, which is, it's, it's a credit to the performer and it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. And kids, kids do it easily. And then every interview I've ever seen with a celebrity who is a guest says that they do the same thing, that as soon as they start filming, they don't look down underneath the frame. They just look right at the puppet. And that's, that's who they're acting with. <laughs> that's really I was, cool. The, one of the interviews I wrote with James Frawley, he was talking about how a lot of cameos had a, a great time with, with uh, working with, with like Kermit and Fonzie, or Fozzie and stuff. And one of the reasons is that the, it was they were always in character. So Richard Pryor was riffing with Kermit and Fozzie. He wasn't talking to to Jim Henson and Frank Oz. So that's really awesome that they can stay in character even when the camera's not rolling. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's definitely something that I saw when I was on set. It was they do it and it's hilarious. Well, Frawley, that's Kermit. No, Frawley is the director. Oh, okay. Sorry. Oh, on the original. Who who is the vo- the uh, performer? Sorry for Kermit now. Steve Whitmire, I think. Steve Whitmire. Yes. Yeah. So he is very impressive because every time I see, have seen Kermit uh, interviewed, you know, on Letterman or whatever, um, he's really like sharp with his answers and stuff. Yeah, he's very good. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, all I right. I feel like. Uh, Whitmire is not as close to Jim Henson, so it's a little bit off. But whoever does Frank Oz's characters is pretty much spot on. Oh, he's great. Yeah, Eric Jacobson. He's great. Yeah, he's really awesome. And is Gonzo not the original, or is he the original? Gonzo is still the original. He's the only one who's still the original at this point. I, I like the touch of having you know Gonzo in the original is driving that that plumbing truck. Plum- and that's, yeah, I think yeah. that's the only time that I remember that him talking about him being a plumber. I don't remember that from the show or the subsequent movies but then they're back to it in this movie where he's the the plumbing king of the midwest yeah, and he doesn't yeah. just leave the business but he destroys the business <laughs> there was um i think i think in one of the original script drafts there was a line where gonzo goes oh well it's it's okay guys i can buy the theater back for us i have all this money that oh i just blew it up that's right <laughs> That's unfortunate. That was cut. That's a great line. Do you know what the the thing with Elmo was that the, didn't get into the movie? What the cameo? Um, nothing specifically. I think it was they were gonna have um Kermit call Elmo and say, "Oh, can you can you host for us since you're such a big celebrity?" And he goes, "Well, you know, my lawyers won't let me. It's a whole law thing," which was a parallel. T- to how it played out in real life because they went to PBS and they asked for the rights to Elmo and they said, eh, maybe not. Oh, that's, that's, well, I, in retrospect, it's probably good with all the, 
with all the Kevin Clash stuff that happened since then. But it, True. It's, yeah. it still would have been nice to have a, a link like Big Bird in the original to, to the, the, the Sesame Street characters. Yeah. yeah. It's too bad. All right. Um, shall we move on to recommendations? Sure. I think we. I think we've. I mean, unless you guys just want to uh, keep talking about uh, people that no, nobody in our audience knows. Uh, <laughs> we should. I, I, I could I, do that all day. I always like talking about Muppets, and Matt knows a lot more about about them, so it's fun. But if you want to end, that's fine. You ruin everything. <laughs> My my purpose on this show, uh, according to most of the emails we get, that's that's what I hear. So, I'm just I'm just uh, performing my economic function. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, let's start with you, Matt, uh, since you're the guest. You you got a recommendation for us? Sure. Um, I've been reading uh, a comic book series called Saga, and um, I don't know if you guys are into comic books oh, Pat, at all. Pat loves this one. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. And um, I I only buy the trades, and they just just recently came out with the third trade, and from the it's so that's about eighteen issues, and in that it's just like the best television series that's never been made. And it's <laughs> the first season, and they just had just knocked it out of the park. I just think it's fantastic. You should try getting the individual books because his letters his letters column is awesome, and it it, it makes it worth getting it. You know, it's, oh, wow. it's, okay. it's more expensive, but it's it's worth getting because he does such a great job of answering letters, and he insists he says he says my router's broken, so you can't email, so it has to be handwritten or typed and sent to his house, or you know, not his house, but his PO box. And but he does it's such it's such an old school style, and it's really really w- worth just for that. But yeah, I agree. Oh, Saga cool. is fantastic. We've done a couple episodes about Private Eyes, which is a Brian K. Vaughan's his online only comic book, which is also very good, but Saga's better. Saga's really good. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, the private eye. You should check that out, Matt. It's uh I will, yeah, definitely. It's it's online and it's, you know, pay whatever you want for it. So um it's it's definitely worth checking out. Uh what do you got, Pat? I have a science fiction novel called Red Shirts by John Scalzi and it's it's kind of a ridiculous premise. He's just making fun of the characters in like Star Trek who die because you know they're the red shirts, they they're sent on missions and are killed. And but it 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 started you know kind of like a SNL skit, but it, it builds from there and it's really well written and you get involved with the characters and, and by the end it's there's touching scenes, so it's it's worth reading. So good stuff. All right, um, I was I was hoping that like I I went yesterday and saw the movie Snowpiercer and I was hoping I could recommend that, but I really can't. Um, oh, I want to see that. That's too bad. Yeah, that good. It's a uh, it's not terrible, but it's not like I didn't think it was great. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to recommend that. And then we were I was trying some new TV shows like we we're watching The Killing and I can't really recommend that either. Um, it's so dreary. Um, is that is that that older show like three years ago? Is that yeah. The one? Yeah, yeah okay. it's that old three year old show. That's no, I just I was just wondering if there's a new show I didn't know about. Yeah, no, it's that one. Um, I like that. I, I thought the performers in that were good, but I guess maybe did you not like it or do you just not want to recommend it because it is so dreary? Cause it okay. is it, dreary. Yeah. I mean, nobody cracks a smile throughout the entire series. No. Um, no. And there's all kinds of reasons not to true. Um, yeah, no, it's just in both cases. It's, it's just, I don't want to recommend like, I, I didn't okay. think they were like transcendent or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I don't know that I can really in good conscience recommend what I'm going to recommend either, but it is just a YouTube video, so um, it's not that it's not going to take up too much. Of your oh, time. I don't I don't have time for this. <laughs> I mean, that's that's too long. That's well, too much investment. <laughs> John Worster, a uh, drummer for Bob Mold and Super Chunk, posted this on his page on uh, for Happy Canada Day, uh, you know, for Canada Day, and as a video of an act I'd never heard of, uh, I presume they're from Canada, Kim Mitchell. And the song is called Go For Soda. And it's everything that you think of when you think of what what was horrible about the 80s. Literally everything. The the song, the styles, the uh, style of video. Um, and yet, I heard it once and it was stuck in my head for days. And don't get me wrong, it's a terrible song. <laughs> so I'm going to run out and listen to this. It, it's terrible, but you will get it. It'll become an earworm for you. Um, so I'm going to have to recommend everybody go just check out Kim Mitchell Go For Soda. You, you only live once, and uh, Definitely you might that, as well yeah. experience as much as you can. Um, yeah, so that's <laughs> that's all I've got. Um, John Worst is great. Actually, um, I worked on a, a music video with him. Yeah, I, saw, I remember when you posted that that's on neat. Facebook. It, yeah, it was he was a really nice guy. Yeah, yeah, he seems super nice. I mean, he doesn't really even know me, but we're you know Facebook friends, and he's always nice. So, oh, cool. So yeah, I'll, I'll recommend that on his uh, jokey post. Um, and I guess I guess that's it. Uh, but thanks for coming on, Matt. Yeah, th- yeah, this is so great. Yeah. Did, did did you live in Philadelphia? I think John said you lived in Philadelphia. Uh, I did. Yeah, I lived, oh, I lived in uh, West Philly for about three years in uh, University City area. Well, that's cool. That's where yeah. I live. I don't live in the University City, but I live in Philly. Oh, yeah. I think I knew that. Did you know a puppeteer? I think her name was Beth Nixon or Beth Dixon. I not familiar. No. Okay. I, was, I, saw... I wasn't as active puppeteering when I lived in Philly. Oh, okay. Because I, I was imagining that if you were, that all the puppeteers knew each other in Philly. Because <laughs> I saw a play a couple of years kind ago. Of racist, put together. dude. <laughs> she put together uh, the, uh, that she used cardboard puppets and it was it was pretty incredible. So. Cool. Well, uh, you want to give the spiel, Pat, for people? Oh, everyone should like us on Facebook, rate us highly on iTunes, uh, write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com if you'd like to be on the show or talk about a show or criticize us or anything you want to talk about. Problems at home. And that's it. Right? Oh, tell your friends to listen. Yeah, yeah, why not? What the hell? Uh, everybody's got to commute. you got to do something to fill the time. Uh, we're probably not the greatest thing to use to fill your time. We're probably not even the second greatest or the 40 millionth greatest. But uh, but we are... Way to sell us. Well, you know, I think uh, you don't want to oversell it. Um, well, that's true. Under-promise, under, under over-perform. Right, or in our case, under promise, under perform. But th- at least they they don't have any uh, illusions about what they're getting. So uh, do it or not, we don't really give a shit. Uh, but you should follow uh, Matt on Twitter. You still on Twitter, Matt? I I am still on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. At, he's at writing Wilkie. Yeah, he's very funny and uh, thank and you. A super nice guy and one of the few. When I quit Twitter, I I. Uh, friended him on facebook because uh he seemed genuinely nice and uh i think he's proven that here today uh oh, thanks putting up with our tom Foolery. so um 
that that does it. And until next time, everybody, uh, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.